Uh, today, we've got a little, some things to talk about. Now, this right here is my uh, very first marathon medal. And this is from uh, all the way back before it was the rock and roll marathon. So it's like 2005 that I won this first marathon medal. And you know how I got this? I made it to the finish line. <laughs> That's how I got this medal. And uh, how I got to the finish line is I trained. And I, there was hard work. Uh, and there was a training plan. Did you hear that, Steve? <laughs> There's a thing called training. Come on, man. <laughs> so we train. We reorientate. We get up. I got up early before the kids uh, were out of bed. And I had discipline in my life. No discipline no finish line. No discipline, no finish line. So brothers and sisters, you know what we're going to be talking about today? Everybody's favorite. Today we're going to be talking about discipline. Because discipline is what actually will carry you, what will equip you to be trained so that you can cross the finish line. So that you can run the race that is marked out before you with great endurance and perseverance, claiming the crown of righteousness that Christ has in store for you. No discipline, no finish line. And so in fact, this morning, just in seven verses that we're going to be talking about, you're going to see ten times that the word discipline is being used. Ten times. And so you can say it is just central it's just central in the life of believers. And listen, I know how you feel about discipline because it's how I feel about discipline too. I don't like it. It makes me really uncomfortable. I wish there was another way rather than getting up early in the morning and logging in long training runs and getting all, sorry, like chafy and being dehydrated. And I wish there was another way to cross the line, but there's not. It's through the road of discipline that allows you to have the strength and the muscle, the spiritual muscle to run the race that is marked out before you. And so this morning, we're going to be diving into this idea of discipline. And please remember who the book of Hebrews is written to. First of all, it's not a letter. It's a sermon meant to be preached. It's a sermon that's meant to be preached to a whole bunch of people that are discouraged, that are tired that are weary, that are in my, like mile 20 of the 26-mile marathon, and they want to quit. Everything in their life is sore, and it hurts, and they're beginning to ask, is it worth it? And last week what we saw, if you did not, uh, if you did not catch up with this last week, we said, listen, there is a great cloud of witnesses that is cheering you on. There is a great cloud of witness of all those in the faith that have gone before you cheering you on, calling you out by name. Come on, don't quit. Keep going. Keep running. Don't quit. I did it. You don't. Over and over, it's that image of this great cloud of witnesses of people cheering us on saying, run the race marked out before you like you want to win it. So run with everything that's inside of you. And you'll see this morning that there are no such things as losers if you don't quit. But if you quit, it's the only way, sorry, you become a loser. <laughs> you quit, you lose. 
you don't quit, you persevere, you keep going, you grit it out, you get the finish line. And it's a beautiful crown of righteousness at the end of our days. And so, brothers and sisters, that's where we're going to be this morning. So if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 4. This is right on the heels of what we talked about last week, about being surrounded by the cloud of witness, so therefore run the race marked out before you. And now you're going to see the author of Hebrews say, well, how do you run the race? How do you persevere? And as you're going to see this morning, well, listen, no discipline, no finish line. And so if you want to run the race, you got to be disciplined. As a good dad disciplines their children, so too God will discipline you as training. So let's look at what it says. You can follow along on the Bible app as well. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 4, and we're going to read through 11. It says this. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your own blood yet. And have you completely forgotten the words of encouragement that address you as fathers addresses their sons. It says this. Now they quote from the book of Proverbs. My son, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't you lose heart when he rebukes you? Because the Lord disciplines everyone that he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as sons. Now listen, this is originally, he's quoting from the Older Testament. This was originally written from a literal father being passed down to a son. So that's why it's heavy father-son language. But certainly, as you'll see in a second, this applies to everybody, men, women, all of us, all of God's children need to receive God's correction as discipline, as a loving father. And so let's keep going. Verse seven, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as one of his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. You're not a true son, and you're not a daughter at all. Moreover, we've had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for just a little while as though they thought was best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Listen, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. So have you ever started to run? Have you ever felt the soreness of beginning to get back in shape? It's not fun. Uh, it does not seem pleasant at the time, but later it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those that have been trained by it. Been trained by it. So a couple of things I want to show you this morning when it comes to discipline and what discipline is and how God uses discipline in our life. And so there's just three things that I want you to know uh, from this morning's scripture that I think have the potential from this point forward. When you hear the word discipline, now you say, oh, thank you, God. Thank you for your discipline because I know it is training for the race that is marked out before me. All right? So a couple of different things I want you to understand about the Lord's discipline. Number one, God's discipline is not about your past, but it's about your future. God's discipline is not about your past, but it's about your future. Now, when you hear this word discipline, if you think God is punishing you 
from something that you've done in your life that you should have done, that you didn't do, that you wish you wouldn't have done, if you think God is paying you back in some sort of way, or he's punishing you, then you, can I be honest? Listen, don't get mad. You don't even understand the gospel. That is not the gospel message. And you don't understand the nature and character of Jesus Christ. And you don't understand what we are actually being invited into. You don't. Paul, who uh, did not write Hebrews, but he writes about two-thirds of the Newer Testament, in Romans chapter 7, comes to this place with the community, and he says, listen, like, like there is, my old life just keeps creeping in sometimes. And the bad stuff that I don't want to do, well, dang it, that's the stuff I find myself doing. And the good stuff that I know I should be doing, that's the stuff that, for some reason, I just don't get, I don't do the good stuff. And then he ends with this one, he says, who can save me? What a wretched man I am. That's John's version of of chapter 7. And then we get to Romans chapter 8. And friends, listen, listen, you know this. I say it, I try to work it in as many Sundays as possible. When my time is up at Riverside or the Lord calls me home, if there's one verse that you know uh, from, uh, if there's one verse you know at heart, I hope it's Romans chapter eight. It is the greatest chapter and the greatest verse in all of scripture I'm convinced of. Therefore, right now, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You cannot be punished for your past. It has forever been dealt with. And the moment you said yes to Jesus Christ, your past, your present, and your future has already been paid for in advance. God's discipline then is not about punishing you for something that you've done, but it's about training for who you will become. Now, look at this quote from, I don't know if you read old dead guys or dead theologians, dead uh, ladies as well, but they say some pretty spectacular things. And this is uh, Charles Spurgeon. And look at what he says. And there is a misspelling, but we'll get there and it makes it fun just so that you're paying attention. God's people can never, listen, never possibly be punished for their sins. God has punished them already in the person of Jesus Christ. Their substitute has endured the full, not the partial, not the teeny weeny, not the but the full penalty for all of their guilt and neither the justice nor the love of God can ever exact again what Christ has already paid for. Do you understand how scandalous that is? This is the scandal of the gospel. You get what you don't deserve. It's not about God punishing you back, but it's about letting you run with strength the race that is marked out before you. And so this is a good, good father that disciplines you as training and not as punishment. God cannot, will not punish you for your past. Imagine the scene in heaven. Imagine the scene if you were to go and stand before God and God is about to punish you for your sins, for something that you've done or should have done, shouldn't have done, whatever, fill in the blank, where you've blown it. Imagine the moment God is about to punish you for, what you, for that sin, and Jesus steps forward and says, hang on here. 
What are you doing? Why would you punish him if I've already paid for it? What was the cross about if you were just going to punish him again? I already bore all of the guilt, shame, and condemnation. I've carried it. Look at my back. Do you see the blood? Do you see my scars? It's already been paid for. That's why Jesus on the cross says what? It is finished. Done. Dealt with for all time. There is no pay you back for what you've done in your past. But it's about God transforming you into something uh, else. It's about his redemptive plan unfolding for you. When you hear the word discipline, kind of tucked in that root word of, uh, of discipline is the word pupil. It's that God is your teacher, that you are his student, that the discipline that you are undergoing, the discipline that you are receiving is not payback, but it's, hey, time to lace up those running shoes. Time to, time to get on the short shorts. <laughs> time to go get out and train. Time to have some sore muscles because I'm gonna build something in you. I've got something that I want you to do. There's a race and the distance is 26 miles and it's gonna take everything you got. And so I'm gonna discipline you so that you can cross the finish line. Not payback, not payback, but training. Um, my first few weeks of marathon, marathon training, when I first started, I would have told you, this is punishment. <laughs> this is not fun. Are you kidding me? I don't want this. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, listen, if you've ever competed in something like that before, when you cross that finish line, you look back and you say, worth it. Totally worth it. Every bit of pain, every bit of hurt, every bit of swollenness, every bloody toenail was worth it. It was training and preparation to get me over the finish line. And so, yet so many of us walk around with guilt and shame and condemnation. And listen, the enemy loves to remind you of who you were. It's like his number one tactic. It's not that creative. He does it to all of us. Every Sunday morning, um, I get in my car at 7.30 and I start headed up here. And from the moment I turn my car on, I know it's a battle. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. Because the enemy loves to remind me of my past. If people only knew who you really were, John, if people really knew the things that you've done, things you shouldn't have done, the way that you have spoken to your bride, the way that you have disciplined your children, not in the spirit of love, as a, as a gracious father. And let me be honest, most Sundays, most Sundays, I want to just keep driving. <laughs> He loves to remind you of who you, are, who you used to be. And you know what's crazy about that? It's all true. <laughs> all of those things, all of those accusations are true. But here's the thing. 
We sang it this morning. We declared it this, this morning. I'm not counting on me and my righteousness. I'm counting on the righteousness that was given to me in Christ Jesus. That's where our identity is found, not in the accusations against us. It's all true. And let me tell you something. When your past starts haunting you and pushing and making accusations against you, and you can say, yeah, yeah, and, and... God loved me anyways, and I'm a beloved son or I'm a beloved daughter of Christ, that's when your past will stop being used against you. When you turn that accusation as a way to step up here and on Sunday mornings when we worship, it's like, God, I cannot believe that I'm invited to the party (laughs) because I know me and I know those things, and yet, God, you still love me anyways. Your past will stop being used against you. Don't you know, brothers and sisters, that your, your past is a powerful weapon when it's in somebody's hands? And when it's in the hands of the enemy and there's accusations coming against you, it will cause you to back up, to quit, to not even show up. But when you put your past in the hands of an almighty creator, savior, there is redemption. And he says, run the race marked out before you. Not because of you and your righteousness, but because of me and my righteousness that I gave to you. Not punishment for your past. Not punishment. And yet so many of us walk around with this nagging guilt, shame, and condemnation. And it's because we don't understand what he's paid for. Friends. You ever had a, you ever had a coach just ride you before? I mean, just mercilessly just ride you. Uh, I did my junior, senior year in high school. I played baseball and I was not that good, not the best, not the worst, uh, but I would try. And this coach would just rip me every single day, every single practice. Do it again, Hinky Bind. Take a lap. Every time I'd bobble a ball, take two laps. Hey, if I struck out and I didn't, if I got a, caught looking and I struck out, I knew that that next day, oh my goodness, I was in the batting cages taking 100 cuts for every strikeout. I mean, he just mercilessly was on me and attentive to me. And you know what I found out? He didn't do that with everybody. (laughs) And it was not right and it was not fair. And you know what the truth about that is? Those other people that he didn't do it to never got to play. They were, can I be honest, they were quitters. When the game got hard and you felt the pressure, those guys would bail. And he saw something in me, not because I was the best, I was not, but because there were, he saw something in me that could be useful to the team. And he saw something in me that is more than I saw in myself. And so he called that out in me Actually, not as discipline, but as training, as preparation to play the game well. And I believe that's exactly what Jesus, he sees something in you and he's not just gonna let it slide. He can't because he sees something beautiful inside of you and he calls it out. He says, you, you can be useful. You get to be included in my agenda. Lord, include me. I've got something for you. 
And so I'm not going to let just things slide. I'm going to discipline you. As a father would discipline his children. And I'm going to push you in the right direction so that you can play the game well. So that you can be useful. It's not punishment. It's preparation. Let's keep going. Look at verse 7 again. Uh, Second thing I want you to see, it says this. Endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children is not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not a legitimate, not true son or daughter at all. Moreover, you have had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? Now, before we go on, I want to say something. I know that there are many, many of us in this room that when we hear scriptures like we had fathers that disciplined us for a little while and we respected him for it, that that's not the case for everybody. That's not the case for a good chunk of us. That in fact, when our dads disciplined us, we lost respect for him. And some of the deepest pain that we have experienced in our lives are at the hands of somebody um, that was living in our home that we called dad. Now listen, it's not the primary image that, that the scriptures use, but it is one of the overarching images of the whole Bible as God as our father. And I am convinced, just utterly convinced, that there is an assault on manhood and there's assault on men And if the evil one can come in there and distort the image of father, of dad, then he can distort the whole thing. And he loves to come in there and jack with families and distort the image of dad. And then everything gets distorted and he suddenly finds himself taking all this ground and uh, he finally does the damage that he seeks to do. God's design has always been for a strong, faithful, Jesus-loving man to be in your family, to discipline you with the utmost tenderness and care and grace and wisdom. And so we have to be very careful as we hit scriptures like this that we don't let the distortion determine God's original design for it. His original design is that you would actually find pleasure when, God, when, your, when your earthly father would discipline you because it, you know it was for your good. Does that make sense? And so here's the second thing I want you to see. A dad who doesn't discipline does not love. A God who does not discipline does not love. Remember who the book of Hebrews is written to. It's written to a whole bunch of people that are a mile 20 of the marathon. And they're beginning to wonder, can I finish? Can I finish this race? And the author of Hebrews says, listen, it's not because you're bad and this is not about punishment, but it's because God is actually loving you. As a loving father would discipline their own children, so God is disciplining you because you belong to him. Now, whenever my girls get in trouble, I say, Maggie, come over here. <laughs> because most of the time, it's Maggie, the one getting in trouble. And I say, Maggie, listen, listen, baby girl, listen. 
You can't ride the motorcycle in your swimsuit. <laughs> you have to put on shoes and clothes and God's sakes, put a helmet on. <laughs> you can't ride the motorcycle in your little you know, bathing suit on the way to the pool. We're not doing that in every single time. But dad, I don't care, everybody. And, I, and then I say the classic dad line is, I don't care what everybody else is. You belong to me. A dad who doesn't discipline does not love. I don't discipline other people's children. Have you ever tried to discipline somebody else's children? Have you ever had somebody try to discipline one of your kids? How well did that go? <laughs> like I've been up at the swimming pool before and I'm like, gosh, I, like, like you te- turn your music down. I can't even think what I'm, I mean, turn it down and for God's sake, quit smooching at the pool with your boyfriend. <laughs> I don't do, I don't, I don't say anything. That is not going to end well for me. They don't belong to me. I'm not their father. I don't discipline other kids uh, because they don't belong to me. I discipline those who belong to me. They belong to me, and so I discipline them. There is this hidden, hidden warning tucked between these passages right in the middle of it that says, no discipline. Maybe you're not a part of the family. And that's not meant to make you question everything about you, but the scripture clearly says a good father will discipline you. You will receive correction and rebuke by a good, gracious, kind, loving father, not because it's punishment, but because he sees the potential in you and who you're becoming. And yet there's this temptation for us to believe the lie that's like, well, I can do this. Clearly, I mean, I'm not getting caught doing that. I can treat people this way. I can treat my family like they're on the back burner. I can engage in that stuff online. I can go out and everybody loves a great party. But when that party goes to that place, man, that that party quickly turns pretty destructive pretty quick. And yet, I'm not being disciplined right now. I think you have to ask yourself a question like, who's dad? There is this sobering reality that if you belong to him, you're going to receive his discipline. Because there's a very big difference when when your old life starts creeping back up and grabbing you and pulling you. And maybe you find yourself drifting towards stuff you shouldn't have, shouldn't be drifting towards. The Lord has this way of just removing things from your life or putting things in your life that make it difficult for you. Like he removes joy. (laughs) He removes peace. Why? Because he's a loving father. He cannot see you running into the street and say, I'm gonna continue to bless you. Just keep going. That is not a good father. That's not what dads do. When I was teaching my girls to ride their bikes, they would bomb the hill kind of next door to us on the cul-de-sac and they would head towards like the main street and and I'd have to run and catch up and pull them off their bikes because I know that there's a potential for them to be hit by a car. And that's what dads do. That's what a good father does. He doesn't just let you run out into the street 
He disciplines you. He corrects you. He rebukes you. Why? Because you're his kid. Because you belong to him. Because that's what a loving father does. This is what God says. Because you belong to me, I will discipline you. So let's look at what it says in the last little chunk, starting in verse 10. They disciplined us, speaking about uh, earthly fathers, they disciplined us for just a little while as they thought what was best. But God disciplines us for our good. Now I want you to underline a couple things if you're taking notes. In order that we may share, underline it, in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, obviously, but it's painful. Later, however, it produces, underline these two things, righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. What does the Lord's discipline want to do in your life? The Lord disciplines you so that you can receive a harvest of holiness, righteousness, and peace. This is why the Lord disciplines his children. This is what the whole thing is about. It's about your good. It's for you. It's meant to be a blessing for you, but you've got to allow yourself to be trained by it. So many of us walk around with hurt, regret, bitterness, built-up resentment, and years of just toxic thinking. And what the Lord is desiring, longing to do is to bring about discipline. And if you're not trained from it, you're going to limp. You can't run the race The Lord is after giving you righteousness and peace and that you share in the holiness with alongside God. I think about how often my girls say to me, (laughs) well, first of all, my oldest is in sixth grade and I don't know where this, but she's, don't expect me to be perfect, dad. (laughs) And I'm like, baby, I'm just asking you to get above a C. That's it. That's not perfect. I mean, you just got to pass the class. But the other thing, the other thing she says to me is, Dad, you just don't understand. And uh, I say, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't understand. And I understand that you may not get me, but I get you. And you may not understand in your limited 9 and 11-year-old brains what God is up to or what Dad is up to, but I have a bigger perspective than you do. And this may not seem pleasant. It may not even seem kind at the time. It may actually be really, really painful. But I got a bigger perspective than you. And I think that's what God does with us too. Like, but God, you don't understand this hurts. God, can you just fix? Can you just restore? And let me be honest, man, I want to be the type of community that just expects and prays for God to do miraculous things all of the time. That's what I would love for us to be about. And I think there is this also this place in us that says, I'm not created for me and for my purposes. And there's a bigger perspective maybe that 
that dad has than our limited understanding. But this whole thing is for you. Discipline is for you and for your good so that we can walk in holiness and righteousness and peace. Just question, do you have those in your life right now? Do you feel like you're every day you're getting up and you, you're taking more of Jesus' character and nature on and you're beginning to look more and more like him? Are you, do you have a righteous lifestyle that when people look at you, they're like, man, there's a picture of Jesus. Do you have peace in the middle of the, the poop storm that we're in right now with the election and with COVID and all of these things? Do you, do you have the ability to say, I don't care? Like, like, my confidence is not in my circumstances. My confidence is not in who's president. But I know my confidence is solely in his hands and I belong to him. Do you have those in your life? Because that's the gift God wants to give to you through those who have been trained. And training, brothers and sisters, requires discipline for me and for my good. So right now, I imagine that there are a whole vast number of things that are uh, rubbing up against you. Many, many hardships. Many things that are even hard to speak about. Some of those things, honestly, are um, from things from your own choosing. Things that you have done that have put things into motion, and there's just, man, there's a wake of pain right there. For others of us, there are things that are not our choice, that other people have done, and we are paying the price for it. That's a reality. And then there's some things that we are experiencing right now just because we live in a, we live in the already and not yet. Because we live in this place where God's full redemptive story has not yet fully unfolded yet. We just live in this, in this already and not yet world. And then there's some of us in here that, man, we're experiencing things in our life because there's this place where, man, our bodies just aren't designed to last forever. And things are breaking down and things are not going in the right direction anymore. What do you do about those things? What does the author of Hebrews offer us this morning? I don't know if, I don't, I really don't know. I, I struggle with that. I have so many questions about the source of so much of the pain. But the author of Hebrews says one thing to us. Just be trained. Count it all as Discipline. It's not in all things God works good things out. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says in all things God will work out the good, meaning he will never waste the pain. He will never waste a training session. He will never waste the suffering, the hurt, the heartbreak of it. He will never waste it. In his hands, it's loaded with potential. And your life is loaded with potential when it's in his hands. And so count it, brothers and sisters. 
as Hebrews says, as discipline. Because you're being trained to run the race marked out before you. You know, discipline really is an athlete's best friend. Showing up to a race with no training, not a good idea. A trained athlete is a dangerous athlete. Somebody that's been disciplined, look out, they're dangerous. And the Lord says, because I love you, I will discipline you as one of my own children so that you can run the race that is marked out before you. 